Hello, I'm Tim McLaughlin, and this is a Maywa Podcast. In this episode, we present excerpts from Gisele Adiemo's lecture, African Textiles, the Heart of the Yoruba. The lecture was recorded live on October 25th, 2007, as part of the Mewa Textile Symposium. Gisele Adiemo grew up in Afetido, Nigeria, where his early interests in art and textiles took him to the Nike Center for Arts and Culture, first as a student and later as a teacher. Gisele has mastered the traditional techniques of indigo dyeing using oniko, a tide resist, and a dire, a resist made from cassava paste and applied to the cloth in a painterly fashion. In this lecture, he talks about his background, the Yoruba culture, and his art. Gisele currently lives and works in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Welcome to the 2007 Mewa Textile Symposium, Tradition and Revival. A few of the uh, textile pieces I think some of you have discovered are for sale here on (laughs) one table (laughs) over in the far corner. And there is some clothing on the rack. And the pieces in front of me here are for demonstration purposes only. We have also some books uh, from John Gillow on African textiles, uh, the wonderful Mewa documentary on indigo, and also um, a DVD on the Adire process that uh, Gazelli has kindly brought for sale. Over the past few weeks, we have been introduced to many beautiful textiles from a variety of countries and cultures. In every instance, we have learned that each handmade piece of cloth has a heartfelt story behind it that has captured our attention and respect. I congratulate the Mewa team for having the vision and commitment to bring together this diverse group of individuals who have been at the center of preserving or reviving traditional textile techniques so that we can have the opportunity to demonstrate our support of the work they are doing and to encourage them to continue with their journey of influencing and inspiring others. Thank you. So, my name is Leilani King, and I have the pleasure of introducing tonight's guest speaker, Gazali Adiamo, who is from the Yoruba tribe who live in southwestern Nigeria. Gazali is an exceptional artist who uses cloth as his medium. He is a lively musician in a group called Agalu, which means spirit of the drum. And last but not least, he teaches storytelling and traditions of the Yoruba culture to students in the public schools. If Gazelli were telling you his story, it would start off something like this. I was the third born of five children from a small rural village called Ofatado, located in the Osun state of Nigeria. My mother is a trader and my father a farmer. My family was rich in spirit and culture, but they were poor in capital. I sponsored my way through elementary and high school by attending social gatherings such as weddings, naming and burial ceremonies and other cultural parties where I would offer to sketch portraits of guests for small donations. From a young age, I realized my artistic potential and continued to work on improving it. In 1990, I discovered the Nikkei Center for Arts and Culture in Oshogbo. I remained there for six years total. 
The first two years were spent mastering the arts of batik painting on fabric, indigo dyeing, quilt making, embroidery, applique, and batik painting on rice paper. The following four years were spent teaching these skills to incoming students at the Nikkei Center. Eventually, the popularity of the Nikkei Center grew and people from all over the world traveled there to study and enrich their knowledge and understanding of the arts and culture of my country. I was involved with conducting workshops and training those people, and eventually my years of service and dedication led to my artwork being exhibited in 1995 in Beirut, Germany, <coughs> alongside the work of five other artists from Nigeria. I received international exposure that culminated in my being commissioned to do quilt work and other pieces, and eventually the opportunity arose to travel for my very first time outside of Nigeria in 1996. A woman from America named Karen came to Nigeria through an exchange program, and we did workshops together. Impressed with my work, she invited me to come to the University of Iowa to do a series of exhibitions and workshops. And once there, the Octagon Gallery in Ames, Iowa, took notice of my art and offered to exhibit it. The experiences in Iowa opened the door to greater opportunities, and since then I've traveled across the U.S. conducting workshops and exhibitions. I now reside in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it is my lifelong passion to continue to travel worldwide, sharing the arts and culture of the Yoruba people of Nigeria. And so with that brief introduction, I will now pass the rest of this evening over to the master storyteller himself, Kazeli who will delight and inspire you with his knowledge and mastery of the traditional Yoruba techniques of adire, tie-dye, and indigo dyeing. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Before I start to introduce myself, uh, I would like to say in my language, Ekale, can everybody say that? Ekale. 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 Yeah, that is one of my language in Nigeria. It's me, good evening. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very what we speak in day and day night all the time. Yeah, as what he said right now about my history or background of my, myself, I am from southwest of Nigeria, which is, I would love to sow the map of where I came from in, in Nigeria. Nigeria is uh, a lot of people, when I, when I talk in school, when I give a lecturing, they don't really, they think, I mean, not like you guys in the beauty today, but they think Africa is somewhere on the mountain. But it's a very big continent where we came from. And in Nigeria, before, we, population is not really so huge, but right now we, we're looking for like 160 million people today in Nigeria. But today, I just love to talk more about the, the culture and how much we're so rich of what we do in the culture in southwest of Nigeria. And people that live in Nigeria is not only the Yoruba people, there's the people from northern part of Nigeria, there's a people from eastern part of Nigeria, which is called Awusha and Igbo, and myself is called Yoruba. But how do you 
differentiate people like that, and that is why of what we're wearing. Because when I travel within the different places in the in the country, they ask me, "Oh, where are you from?" So in Africa, I don't have to explain myself, but the way I dress, of what I'm wearing, so he telling people where I came from. So that is it's like my ID card. So people say, oh, he's from Yoruba culture because the way you look, it tells the other culture where you came from. So today, where I came from is very close to Atlantic Ocean, right here in the Gulf of the Guinea. Like, you can see the ocean around the bottom. But I don't live close to where the ocean is, like, way in the center of the map. It's called Oshogbo. But I was born in Ofatedo, which is five minutes away. But we call the area, it's the center of art and culture in Nigeria. But if you travel around the southwest of Nigeria, this is the only place, this is not the only place you can find the artists who do the dia or the indigo, all kind of art you're looking for in southwest of Nigeria. If you go to northern part of Nigeria, which is Aousa people, if you go to East Africa, which is Igbo people. So those are the three different areas when you travel to Africa, what you can see. But around the southwest of Nigeria, there's a lot of town. You can see so many, Oyo, Kwara, and other places. Those are the places you can, when you travel. And there's a song I would like to sing tonight. It's just telling people, like, why people come to southwest of Nigeria. Because in Oshogbo, it's a town you can find a lot of indigo dye, which is like people was like, wow. And the song go like this, Oshogbo iluaro, orokia sala, are upeta, are peta wangbao, osunusogbo peleo. So means that people enjoy Ushogbo. That is why we came to Ushogbo, because there's a lot of indigo dye. So before, before I go too far, I, I won't stay too long on the map of Nigeria. But I'll just, <laughs> I will just want you to know, to see where I come from. So this is one of my interesting pictures. Before I saw the map of my, my town, Ushogbo, this is one of my really big gifts from my parents. This is, my, um, this is me right here as a little boy, <laughs> growing up. Because my parents, they, they always look at me like, why, why you always hang out? This is the King Palace in Oshogbo. You see a lot of sculpture. So my parents was wondering why, when you play, you always hang around where the sculpture. So they just take my picture and they kept it. So when I, when I grew up, so I kept the picture with me. So I'd be able to lock it when I come to the state. I can be able to put in the slide because I don't know how I'm going to show it to people. But I was very lucky to do that. So that is what my parents was been giving to me so that I can be able to see what life I've been living when I was young. And this is my village of Fatedo. It's very tropical. We get a lot of rain. That is why people ask me, why are you live in Santa Fe, New Mexico? I know it's very, <laughs> it's very dry, but it's, 
is is more artistic, and is uh, I I look at it like where I grew up in Osogo is center of art and culture, where I came from because there's so many artists, but both Nigeria and Saranapi that's where I live. But when I travel, you say, wow, I thought you came from southwest of Nigeria. It was raining a lot all the time. But what makes you stay in Santa Fe? You know, I just explain myself on that. But this is how my village looked like. And a lot of mountain. Part of what I picked Santa Fe as well. I don't know how to ski, but I love to see mountain as well. <laughs> so this is one of the pictures I like to show to everybody. So this is how you see people in West Africa, mostly in southwest of Nigeria, what people wearing. Yoruba, so we pay Ola Kuni. Most of my word, I love to say it in my language, but I'm going to say it in English. <laughs> it means like the way you present yourself is the way people are going to respect you. I have a story about that, but because of the time limit tonight, it might not allow me, but when I teach, when I give a workshop, some of my students, they're going to hear that story because it's very, it's, it's very interesting story, like Iriani Lakuni, the way you present yourself. Because if somebody walks in the door right now, it's not belong to here. Everybody's going to turn around like, what are you doing here? But that is how the fiber heart close to people in southwest of Nigeria. You see the African men, African women, people were smiling all the time. They don't even have any penny in their pocket for anything, but when they wear the dress, the energy is so high. Like, people ask him, why you so look good today? Are you, you having a party going on? And he said, I don't have anything. I'm just like to look good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that is, <laughs> and in Southwest of Nigeria, it's not only Indigo. Like for myself, I came from, as what she read about me, about my biography, I came from the, there's a lot of people come from the music family. It's like generation to generation, what my parents passed along to me, of me growing up. So in Nigeria, it's not only the indigo dye or a direct cloth or tie dye. There's a lot of woven. But that is why in my biography I say, my mother was trade when I was a young age, when I was growing up, because... It's not only trade of what we eat. It trade because a lot of people, they, they do the weaving. They come to my mother when they want to do the dye on their loom so they can trade in between, give my mother the weaving, and then it can make some indigo dye for their loom. So that is a many way of trading, not for the only what we grow or somebody have something in the house I don't have. How can we trade to make things work better? So that is how so many weaving in different parts of Nigeria. But when you go to mostly there's a little places close to southwest of Nigeria, which is Yoruba land, you see a kind of different technique. There's a narrow loom weaving. There's a wide loom weaving. This is my mother, and I'm the one next to him in the other side. That is how the fiber hat came to my life, because... I was talking to people many, many years ago. When your parent was trying to bring you, because when we grow up, they're trying to, to bring you close to what they do, but sometimes you feel like it's too boring. Why I need to be here? But they're just trying to bring you close because this is generation to generation. 
the more you see what they do, because we have five in my family, but I'm the only one who, who carry this along. So many people ask me, I think this is for the women doing this in Africa. It's true. But right now, that is what makes me go back home every year to encourage young generation how we can keep this in. It's not gone. It's not going anywhere. So this is me and my mother applying the resist cassava. You can see she was using the chicken feather. And I was mixing the paste because each time when you use it, you have to keep mixing it. They don't dry up on, on you. This is when I... When I discovered the Nikki Center, this is the director. This is Nikki herself. She, 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 she do a lot of incredible... A lot of people here tonight might, might hear about who is she when you go to Shogbo, Nigeria. That's a place called Nikki Center for Art and Culture. So she, she helped a lot of young, young women, young men, who doesn't have any job. So they don't just hang in around. So she brought them here so they can have something to do, to creative. That is why she started the center for the people. They don't have anything to do so that they can be able to, I mean, generally she encourage people what to do with their life instead of just sit around. We have like, before I left in 96 of me going by, now we have close to like 250 students. So when I was there, I was spending time for five years after you, you joined the center. This is where I go to learn how to do batik, how to do the quit and embroidery because I'm always look for more information. I think what my mom, she gave it to me. I don't have enough. I will still look for more. That's why I went to join the center. When I became part of the center after five years ago, so I became a master so to teach the young student who start to come to Nikki Center. What I'm trying to do, I try to bring, I use a beeswax with a sponge. I try to bring the whole, that old design from late 50, long time ago. I try to bring them to the new technique. So instead of me use it to wearing or something like that, I just put them on the quilt, best spread. It was dyeing in indigo dye as well. This is represent mother and child, me and my mom, when I was a little baby. Because one day I was asking my mom, she was telling me, this is how I was raise you, put you in, your, in my back and feed the chicken every morning. So I was like, oh, so this is part of my daily life. So that is how the picture you see on Adire or Batik or Tie-Dye is what we've been seeing around the environment of our daily life is what we put on the picture to tell people what kind of life we live when we're young and when we're grown up. And this is one of my embroidery. It's all hand-stitching. Because in the village, we love to carry stuff on our head. I was talking to someone today, like, I grew up in Nigeria without no electricity, no running water, but when I go fetch the water, I walk like having my. Even before I get home, most of the water is gone <laughs> because it keeps bumping on my head. So, <laughs> so this is what I've been doing of me growing up is part of my daily life of carrying stuff. It's what we love to do. I mean, it's very heavy, but 
we've grown up doing that. Okay, this is, uh, this is how the indigo was found in over 200 years ago. And I would love to talk a little bit about this tonight. Because a lot of people ask me, how the indigo grow in Africa? It's a very good question, because they say, is it grow by seed? This woman here, his name is called Iyamapo. This is the first woman who ever discovered what his indigo plant looked like and how the indigo was found since the first lady. Because in Nigeria, indigo plants we have, they are different kind. But they act like indigo, but they are not really indigo. Because there is another plant called ijokun, elu. Elu is a real indigo plant. Ijokun is other plant, but it has like indigo. Because when you dye it in indigo, when you put the fabric on the indigo, when you wash it, the, everything was came out right away. But this woman here, around is a compound. Indigo grow wide everywhere in Nigeria because it rains a lot. It's so humid and it warm all year round. The reason why I find out about this history, the story of what I was saying tonight is from my mom. Because each time when she wants to prepare the indigo pot, she always mentions this woman's name, Iyamapu. And I was talking to her, like, why you keep mentioning this lady? What is what, what she have to do with prepare the indigo pot? Then she starts telling me the, the history behind the, this lady here because she's the woman who started doing the indigo bath in Africa. Because one day, all the indigo leaf was falling into the water, and then the whole water was turned to the blue. And then she threw her hand in the water. Everything turned to the blue. And then she's trying to wash it off. It doesn't wash quick. And today, you can see the close of the picture. You see people around of the statue, because each year we go to the statue in Nigeria to worship who is she. And that is why my mom was telling me that she's the first lady who made people discover the indigo in West Africa, southwest of Nigeria. The only thing I didn't really mention right now, the way I still have more slide going in the front, but the, this is not only place you can find the indigo in West Africa. If you go up north, which is Awusha people, there's a lot of indigo people who do their indigo as well. This is the, this is the water where the indigo was discovered. You can see a lot of people by the, by the, by the river. This is, where, this is the spot everybody went every year. You can see a lot of drama because it's music. When everybody go, we all wear the indigo and then to go do the celebration. To, 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 to give thank to who is she. This is the plant. In the beginning of the season, as I said from the beginning, indigo grow everywhere in Nigeria because they just, they just, they just transplant himself root by root. That's why they spread everywhere. But when the first rain hit the ground, because the only one we need, we don't need them when they're little or three or four months old. It's very hard to, to make the indigo bat. We're just trying to go get a fresh young leaf. That is how we can, we can, it, it can be used, very strong and very powerful. The reason why you see is a little ball like that, because end of the season, we don't really normally have them around so long when they're too old. We can, they cannot be used. So we have to pan them in the, in the mortar. 
and then put them together as a ball. So when you go to the open market in Africa, you can buy the indigo in the market because they sell it to people who dye the clothes. Not the only the people they make indigo, they sell the indigo. They sell it to people. People can make living from them. So this is how they look like to dry them and to stock them. And one thing I like to mention, because a lot of people, when they see the indigo plant, sometimes they're a little bit scary. Indigo in Nigeria is a medicine. Indigo is what we used to paint the houses, even when I was growing up, because it smell. A lot of people, when they, when they collect my piece, they say, oh, your fabric was running in my hand. Is that okay? I was telling them, it's good to chase the virus away. Any sickness is going to come close to you. Because I remember when I was a young teenager, I always complained with my parents. My stomach was a little upset. My mother, she was just telling me, your brother is going to take you to, the, to go get a young leaf of indigo. Then we throw it in the cold water with a little salt. When we rub it, they turn to the grain. Then I drink it. Then it settles my stomach right away. So that's why I told people, like, indigo is not... It, that is what really impressed me to make me stay on the line of fiber hat today because a lot of things we use to make fabric in Africa, even the resist we use to make the adire, is what we heat as a lunch, which is cassava, called yoka plant. We cook it as a food, which I'm going to mix some of those recipes for my students in the class to see people, how they discover the resist to be heat and to use for the adire. This is the plant also. You can see, even, we not even throw it in the pot yet. We just put them together. You can see how the hand turned to the blue. So that is how, you know, to know how much the indigo was very strong. And to prepare the pot in southwest of Nigeria, this is how we get the outline. Mostly we use the rainy water to prepare the pot. We don't, we don't use the water from the tap because it have a lot of alum, a lot of something that when we, when we prepare the indigo with, uh, with uh, tap water, he make the indigo very weak. That is why we always collect the rainwater so that we can be able to prepare it with the indigo. So right here, you can see we're trying to, this is the, this is the ash, wood ash. We put them in the little, a little pot. So on top of the ash, we throw the water. But in the bottom of the ash, there's a little hose. So the water was dripping little by little. That's why we get the water from the outline, from the ashes, to make the indigo really strong and then dye as many as fabric we want as well. You can see, that's what I told a lot of people when I, when I travel. See, we, when we prepare the indigo pot, we prepare as many as possible so that because we dye so many fabric so that we don't run out when we work with one pot so we make more several, several pots so that we can be able to, to have another one ready. So we prepare so many pots. And this is the pot where I do some of my dye back home in Nigeria as well. This is one of the interesting workshops I did in San Rapin in Mexico. Because why we have a little problem where it's very cold. The only place we discover is in South Carolina in Beaufort. That is the place we bring the indigo from Nigeria to plant because the weather 
they look the same. We don't have problem of maybe the weather was dropped. But in Santa Fe, the weather can be fine, but in the night, because we are so high elevation, it's so high, so the weather drop. Right here, if you look close, you can see I, we use electric blanket. <laughs> so to keep the temperature, not really warm, so that it's not really cold. Because if it's cold, when you go to your indigo pot in the morning, because when you prepare indigo, you have to go there every morning to see how the indigo was improvement. Because after you prepare indigo, it took like two, three, four, five days before you can start dye. It doesn't even have to, you, you don't have to go there, but it tell you when it was smelling that I'm ready to use. So that is why in New Mexico, we have to go through all this process to use electric blanket, so to keep the temperature for the pot. This is resist, adire, what I was saying from the beginning. This is a lot of adire technique. They look like painting. And adire painting, which is what we use chicken feather and small broom and a piece of knife, small knife. Each instrument, they do different design. The straight line you see make the square. That is work of broom. The dot, that, that is a work of small knife. And the little, little circle you see, that is a work of chicken feather. Each instrument, they do their own design. A direct design is a hand-painted technique. Then there is a stencil technique. So they all go both ways, but they all resist as well. But a direct cloth in southwest of Nigeria, there's a lot of meaning behind them or what is, you know, most of them is what you see in the houses when you travel to West Africa because most of the house was painted in a different design. So like this piece right now is just ready to the, to, for the dye. After you let it dry, then it's ready to go to the indigo pot. This is one of the, the finishing process. This design here is called Ibadadun. Ibadadun is one of the is one of the classical and one of the famous design in southwest of Nigeria. Ibadan is a town. It's a city where you you travel to. You see a lot of design on the houses. It was telling you Ibadadun means we enjoy Ibadan or welcome to Ibadan. So they welcome you anytime you came. So you don't have to feel worried. Like there's so many to do in Ibadan. Ibadan is one of the largest cities in southwest of Nigeria. And it's one of the places you can see a lot of indigo dyer as well, which is for so many people they've been to Africa, I mean, to southwest of Nigeria before. There's a huge, amazing indigo market in Ibadan. This is one of uh, design. It's called Eyekpe. Eyekpe means togetherness. A lot of design... He just sent the message to people in West Africa how we're supposed to reunite it. To send message to people how we should love each other, to get together, to close to, to each other. So this design is called a yekwe togetherness of the board. Because if you look, you can see some doves, all kind of little board around the, the design as well. This is a stencil design pattern. So this is called King George. <laughs> it's a 
is it's just make me really happy because some of the design I saw in a direct pattern, it just because it just bring for people they're gonna come when I was after me or when when the little young because some of this design it was just telling people who's been ruled like a like a king like a mayor in the village where you came from so they, we we call the stencil so that to to represent each different king so that people can see you know to know their history who's been ruling before I was came so they can tell you the story there's so many king mayors in Nigeria and Africa so each town they have a different king so when we make the stencil for those king then sometimes we put their name with village they came from as well this is one of the stitching resist with the needle stitching resist tie-dye, they are different to each other. Tie-dye, stitching resist. So using the raffia is one of the things I was sewing with my mother of growing up. But in the olden days, they normally use a thread. That is why most of people right now, young generation, we're trying to, to improvise, to go more. Like, how can we keep this tie-dye more bright because if you look the one you look tonight on the table here, when you look the piece, some of them I use a I use a strain which is which is doesn't absorb the indigo. But in the olden days they use thread. So when they dye it, so the thread dyed through the indigo and the design you do. So that is why they look a little blurry. So we young generation we're trying to to think of oh when we can still follow the olden you know, technique, what they do. But as well, we're trying to make things more more different a little bit. And this is one of the stitching resists. This is called fish bone. See, most of the design in Adire, tie-dye, they all have meaning to the culture. And this is one of the finishing process. This is one of the combination of tribal mark and chicken feet. <laughs> you can see, that is what I said from the beginning. A lot of people, you see people with, I was telling, uh, if you're close to me, you see a little tribal mark on my face. It's like a 1-1. One, one. So this is like ID card. It's like what you see in your environment when you grow up. Because some people, they have three on their face. Both sides make six. They have like four, four. You know, nine, nine, make like 18. So each family, we have a different tribal mark of our parents give it. Somebody asked me, how old are you when they give it to you? I say I was age of six months. Because when you grow up, you don't want to, that happen to you anymore. <laughs> or you're going to run away. So that is, <laughs> that is what, what, I mean, what we see around of growing up and put into the design called combination of chicken feather and tribal mark. This is one of the stitching resists also. This is one of my, my piece I was working on. It's called, in, in my language, we call it alakete. Because when you first start it with two pieces of, two yards of cloth, I have one of them here. So it, it shape up like what I'm wearing tonight. Because when you put it on, see how do we discover this technique? Because in the old days, in the king, in the king palace, in West Africa. Sometimes it's very chilly, it's very cold. 
people wear something like it's, it's a hat, but it cover your both ear, both sides, so you, you don't get freezing. So I was asking my mother, how did they discover discover the this design called alakete? Also, we call it a spiral because it looked like a spiral as well when you when you open the whole old design. But she was telling me because when you finish it, there is a hat. We were in Nigeria. It was called Abitiaja. It looked like a dog here. <laughs> because when you look at the dog here, it looks like it's sometimes it come down, sometimes it's straight up. So that is how the design was discovered. I was like, oh, this is very interesting. So most of things of growing up in the environment or your uh, on village, you growing up of what you see is what we put on the design close to the what we growing up when when we young. This is when it was finished to ready to die. This is two yards of cloth. But when you tie it, it look like narrow and something you can wear. This is when I threw it in the indigo. And this is the result, the spiral. Uh, this is what we're gonna do in in the workshop for three days. But it takes a while but it's very <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> It's very, because when I, when I went to teach, a lot of people say, oh, why we shouldn't do it in the other way? Even when I was teaching the resist, one student was asking me one day, can we use a squeeze bottle <laughs> to make the design? I said, oh, well, you can try it. But I think it'd be good if you can do it traditional way, to use a chicken feather. It's a very slow process. <laughs> but if you want to go in that process, it's fine. But that is how I got it from my mother. And that's why I bring it to everybody. So, and before I go to the end of my slide, how do we treat indigo in in southwest of Nigeria? I know a lot of people have some piece of fabric tonight. You know, people, I told them, because most of my fabric I use in the state, I don't throw them in the washing machine. When I wash it, I just soak it with cold water and then put a little white vinegar on it just hand wash it gently. So when you do that for why, it just make the indigo last for why, and then he make the design stay more beautiful. Even if you throw it in washing machine, it won't be any problem, but just make you enjoy more about the indigo. A lot of people, when they have it, they don't even want, they don't want to wash it because the way it smells, they love it. And they just want to keep it like the way it is. And that is all my slide tonight. Thank you very much. You've been listening to African Textiles, the heart of the Europa, presented by Gesele Adiemo at the 2007 Mewa Textile Symposium. In the next podcast, we present the question and answer portion of the evening. Join us as Gesele talks about the details of his technique and imagery and concludes the evening with the story. For more information on Mewa, visit our website at www.mewa.com. I'm Tim McLaughlin. Thank you for listening. Thank you.